Kekse. Welcome to Moon Mysteries. Take her to the moon for me. of the moon and all of its folklores from its origin story to its purpose and function even how it affects our emotions there will be two shows a month one focused on the astrological placements and transitions of the moon that month and the other will they'll be focused on an interesting guest giving their perspectives insights and research on the history and mystery of the moon Thank you for tuning in and make sure to like, share, subscribe with all of your cosmonaut friends and get ready to dive in to Moon Mysteries. Welcome to Moon Mysteries. My name's Kaylee. This is Barley Stone. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. That's it. That's nothing. You're just going to stay silent? Okay. <laughs> oh, is that real? Yeah. We going now? It's, it's live, yeah. <laughs> hey everybody, what up? Uh yeah, go by Barleystone, go by Gator, go by Homie Romy, go by Roman. Um Roman around the cosmos. And boy oh boy, am I uh joyous to be here with you, Kaylee, also known as Madame Burkana in some circles, some high esoteric circles. Um and yeah, it's going to be a great ride, this show. We're going to go deep in on moon, the moon. Mysteries. mysteries. It's exciting. Uh, there's, there's so much. There, there's absolutely so much. It's an endless, it's an endless beautiful uh, rabbit hole of understanding. So Kaylee, how, how can I just ask you? How you well, feel yeah. about the moon? Oh God! Just what? What is your first emotional response about this supposed satellite? This enigma in the sky, this beautiful <laughs> and <laughs> treacherous thing. You know, that's really interesting. Um, so I come from a more or less astrological background, and when I think about the moon. I actually usually associate it with feelings. So it's interesting that that's the first question that you popped off with is how do you feel about the moon? Um, everything. I feel everything about, about the moon. <laughs> usually when I look at the moon, I'm filled with wonder and awe. Um, until that, that is, uh, I started 
diving into more conspiracy and esoteric topics and found all of these crazy different theories about what the moon is, where it came from, where, who, or what placed it, if it was placed. Um, and the associations that it has with, um, darker topics like soul harvesting and stuff like that. But yet I come back to just being in awe and always wanting to find it in the sky and, feeling this really interesting connection of just amazement every time I look at the moon. So that's what I feel when I look at the moon. It yes. has, yes. it has, it has been with me and I've always been able to find it in the sky, no matter what crazy life events are happening, no matter what um, heartbreak mm. or pain or joy I was going through. And, um, I think that's one of the one of the most beautiful things about this satellite or luminary, as it was called in astrology, that multiple different people can look at the same thing and have very different experiences around it. So I'm excited to explore this topic. There's a lot to explore. I was actually getting overwhelmed trying to do this research. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it's okay. Uh, there, yeah, there's so there's so much, and that's why we've structured it the way that we have. We're gonna have mm -hmm. two shows a month. One of them will be us just rapping about some of the mysteries. We're gonna pull up articles. We each are gonna have about three articles and some sort of presentation. And Kaylee is gonna be gracious enough to share some of her. Uh, so, uh, some of her uh, astrological and, and celestial knowledge with us about the moon and maybe what transits it's going through that month and, and how it might affect our feelings um, and what the, what the astro news says for us. And then we're going to do an interview uh, with some awesome, amazing guest or friend, or author, researcher, physicist, and we're going to talk to them about mysteries of the moon. Whether it's conspiratorial, whether it's magic, divine, no matter what it is, we are going to talk about it because we need to uncover all of it, all of it. And even, you know, as sometimes, yes, we dip into the fringe realms of conversation and the alternative realms of conversation. Even NASA itself has a lot of those very esoteric fringe alternative uh, things happening in there. And I love that. I actually have uh, an article about that later uh, doing uh, homage to the Chapel Bell mission from Apollo 12, which Sweet. is a highly secretive mission that is still classified to this day. But boy, oh boy, has it left people speculating for generations now. Um, that being said, what's the next step here, Kaylee? Uh, you got a slideshow ready for us? You got some visuals? I do. Should we talk about, uh, what's happening this week first, uh, Please. astrologically? Yeah. What day is it right now? I have no idea. Ooh. Where are we in the, in the Gregorian timeline? Well, according to the Pope's calendar, we're recording on September the 8th, 2022. To the Pope! Welcome to the Pope! fucking that guy yeah so anyway <laughs> so that's the date that we're recording the full moon in pisces also known as the harvest moon will be tomorrow night so yeah that'll be fun that'll be a fun one i don't know <laughs> i always have mixed feelings when i look at these um 
these full moon charts. Because so, like I said, you can have two totally different experiences based on the same transits, depending on, you know, what's going on in your life at the moment. But I mean, maybe we should start off with just what the fuck is a full moon? You know what I mean? Um, and actually on that note, let's actually start with this because I've got a mini slide that talks about the phases of the moon and then I'll talk about the full moon coming up tomorrow. So what is the moon? Great question. That is what we would like to answer. And to open it up, I have a poem picked out. So this is called To the Moon by Percy Blaise, Blaise, Blaise Shelley. Art thou pale for weariness of climbing heaven and gazing on the earth, wandering companionless among the stars that have a different birth, and ever changing like a joyless eye that finds no object worth its constancy? Thou chosen sister of the spirit that gazes on thee till in thee it pities. Mm, beautiful. So when we're talking about phases of the moon, it's actually referring to the relationship of the moon, the sun, and the earth. Um, we would not have moon phases if we didn't have the light of the sun for the moon to reflect. And there's debate about that, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm positive there are people, there will be people listening to this that will have their own ideas about that. And I am definitely willing to explore that. But Basically, when we have a new moon, right, this is considered a dark moon, um, or sometimes it's even been called a black moon. But when the moon is dark, when there's no moon in the sky, it is actually in the same part of the sky as the sun. So for two and a half to three days, we don't see the moon at all. This is the new moon phase. And actually on this diagram, you guys see the new moon is actually, the picture there is actually from a lunar eclipse. But anyway, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> And then there are eight distinct phases of the moon. We have the waxing crescent. So it's waxing or waning. Waxing means that it's gaining in light. Waning means that it's losing its light, so to speak. So we have the waxing crescent and then the first quarter when the moon appears to be half full. And the waxing gibbous and then the full moon. The full moon is essentially when the sun and the moon are on opposite sides of the sky. So as the sun is setting, the moon is rising. They're 180 degrees from each other. Then we have the waning gibbous, the last quarter, where again it appears to be half full, and the waning crescent, and then back to the full moon phase. Something interesting uh, kind of just popped in my head is the colors associated with the alchemical processes. Mm -hmm. If you're using uh, them, there's obviously different steps. There's the uh, the azul uh, or that like the seven step, I believe, or whatever that was like in the emerald tablets or there's the three step which is like the uh um the white the red and the black and i kind of got that vibe with these different uh colors of the moon even though there is a blue moon uh as well but the red and the and the full black eclipse and it's generally kind of like a white silvery color for the most part you know it's kind of like the kind of gives off that color so some alchemical stuff going on there. Interesting. Do, off the top of your head, do you remember what each of those phases are associated with? Yeah. So um, the black stage is generally associated with 
putrefaction, right. uh, which is the be the beginning part of like burning it into uh, or getting the ashes cooked down or the compost uh, fermentation. And then you have the rubedo stage, which would be about the middle process. And then the finished process would be the white. Um, Interesting. So yeah. very cool. So sounds like a different process than the moon cycle, but still very interesting. Yeah. Like yeah, absolutely. The, I mean, the colors themselves are representative and a lot, you know, Egyptian totally. culture with the pyramids being red, white, and black. And, you know, so there's, there's it's speculative colors. And whenever time I see them, I, I do want to pull them out and say, mm, look, you know, I notice this thing. Maybe there's a thing, but uh, there, there's so many other mysteries going on with the moon that, you know, that being said, uh, speaking of like water and dishes and, and things like that, there was these findings of the moon mirror and the sun mirror that we had chatted about before and i was doing some more research on some moon stuff and finding out that a lot of the water that they say they find on the moon is within the craters mm -hmm. and that itself kind of reminded me of the chinese moon mirror where it's this dish that would sit and collect the precipitation of the moon dew and it almost like kind of reminded me, I'm like, I'm, I was like, well, what, you know, the influence, well, the knowing that the moon controls the water on the earth at such a, such an antiquated age. So like, you know, at BC times to have that massive observation, to know that the moon controls the water. I mean, how the, I, I'm going to bring it up at some other episode later in date, but when we found out that the moon was actually controlling the tides, when we found out that the moon was lifting the water several feet. Now, I don't know if you guys know how heavy water is, okay? Once you start going up over 10 pounds, you're talking about, I mean, sorry, 10 gallons, you're talking about a lot of weight. Every gallon is very, very heavy. Like when you're transporting you know, hundreds or even thousands of gallons of water, water trucks. I speaking from firsthand, I live here in California where we have to have water delivered to us uh, by a water truck and they carry 3,500 uh, gallons in their truck. And these are really big trucks. Like they, you know, your car could not tow that water is very heavy and it sloshes around. Um, and so, yeah, just, it's, there's so many mysteries, so many mysteries. Uh, and yeah, so the whole water on the moon, association with the ancient Chinese moon mirror, I thought was kind of fascinating is gathering water like a concave dish, whoosh, collecting that celestial dew. I love that association. And if anybody listening or watching is not familiar with what Roman, Roman is talking about, then definitely check out the three part mirror deep dive and you'll learn a little bit more about that. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yes, yes. So yeah, wa water on the moon. I mean, maybe before I go into the full moon, which will be in the tropical sign of Pisces, let's just like list some of the major associations that we know about, right? So the moon is definitely associated with water for sure, right? It's uh, astrologically speaking, it is said to rule the sign of cancer, which is all about the ocean, right? I love that. Symbolized by the crab, of course. Um, 
the the moon in astrology again speaking from that perspective is considered to be a nocturnal planet or luminary so we have uh, diurnal which is the sun or daylight and nocturnal which is nighttime right makes sense right moon nighttime logic um <laughs> in some systems they associate the nighttime signs with femininity and the daytime signs with masculinity um but uh i am really wondering about that so i don't know that's <laughs> that's how i've been operating but there's a lot of questions about that but anyway so moon associated with water it's also associated i find with um like your emotions, right? Water, emotions, moon, all very tied together. Um, it is definitely associated with, actually, we brought this up before recording, dogs. Wolves howl at the moon, right? So then that brings in this interesting association with uh, shape-shifting and lycanthropy. And uh, you you and Juan and the other people from that podcast did a, an interesting little... <laughs> episode about lycanthropy on one of the last full moons that was fun um what are some other associations off the top of your head poetry yeah there's a lot i i made these associate because i love esoteric research obviously if this is your first time catching the show a lot of the work that uh that we do outside of this is uh it's just diving deep on some awesome esoteric rabbit holes and I am diving deep into the esoteric structure of the alphabet right now and its associations. And I found through septenary gematria that M is a one, it's a monad, which makes sense because the monad is a monad, it's a one as well, right? Monad means the one, it means Monday, which also is associated with moon day, which is the one. Uh, the moon has a paternal essence, uh, like you said. It, 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 it's, I, in my opinion, it is the um, perfect hermetic symbol in the sense that so is the sun because they both have their perfect cycles that are, you know, they're hermetic in their in their play, in the way that they move, in the way that they show themselves. They're half and half, and so they swing back and forth just like the paternal or the parents, right? The parents of the child that is the earth and the moon itself has these, these roles of a parent. Um, and it, you know, it sets in these, these almost like genetic principles that the, that the earth needs to have. And the earth wouldn't have the properties that it has without the moon. The earth would be something completely different without the moon the moon itself has evolved and shifted potentially over time and gotten further away into the perfect uh, uh, distance away to make us fucking inhabitable here. So there's that. But the, uh, yeah, I mean, the moon has so many associations with divination and the occult and mm -hmm. magic. And so what I was getting at with the esoteric uh, structure of the alphabet is if you start to look at all these, these words with the letter M is they all kind of have these same types of connotations to them, you know, math, magic, moon, mysteries, mirror, monad, uh, magnetics, uh, mother, 
mother, moth, you know, uh, all the all these things. So memory, memory, exactly. Monomics, uh, muscle, uh, which is you know function, you know. So there, there's so many things, and I, I'm working on establishing a like a true database where you can go and, and resource all of these words and kind of like see the connotations. And so that, that writing is coming to fruition here in time. And so that's kind of the associations I make is the number 13, the moon, um, and that almost kind of travel into the duot, the duot, the river of sticks, the travel onto the other side of mystery, the shadow, the darkness, the curiosity, the luminary, like you said, and luminary itself has been associated with Lucifer, the light bearer. Well, it's not bringing light, it's shining the light, it's taking the light from the sun and, and giving it back to you. You know, it's it's a balance act. And yeah, the moon's, moon's connotations with the sun move and sway in such a romantic relationship that they are seemingly, in fact, our parents. I love that. There's some schools of thought that say that the, the sun is your father and the moon is your mother. And there are other schools of thought that flip it and reverse it, where the sun is feminine and the moon is masculine. There's definitely some um, some cultures that actually... And I'm not sure which cultures yet, but I'm going to find them <laughs> where they're both feminine or they're both masculine. So that's really interesting. Um, yeah, I love that you brought uh, parentage in there, uh, especially with one of the main theories about the moon, one of the main quote, quote unquote <laughs> theories about the moon being that the earth birthed it. Right. And there's um, a couple of different uh, leading theories about that. We'll definitely get into that. Um, so that's definitely interesting, but, uh, yeah, the moon has always been tied to ideas of fertility, right? Like it's the, they say that it's the planet of fecundation, right? So fertility, um, so that's a big thing for sure. And I mean, women's cycles are tied to the moon, right? This is an obvious association, um, all kinds of stuff like that. And I also love that you brought up the psychic associations because that is a huge thing and also a big topic for this particular full moon coming up tomorrow. So that's a great lead in. Ah, the full moon that? in Pisces. That is, oh, wow. Yeah, let's dive into that. Neptune. What? Neptune. What? Conjunct Neptune. Conjunct Neptune. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting. Tell us about that. Hold on, I'm bringing up the. Uh... This is this is all, all moon mysteries, but it's also astrology 101 for intro <laughs> noobs like Romy. So, yeah, would you say uh, <laughs> we should make a show called astrology, astrology for, for Dummies? dummies? Yes, the dummy yes. and I explain the things. <laughs> yes. So if we can just That's tie cute. those both into one show, be that'd be great. <laughs> Okay. All right. So actually, let me simplify this a little bit. Let me put it to Aries. Okay. All right. So on the screen there, and for people listening, I will do my best to describe this as simply as I can. But so we have the sun, right? The sun. Uh, and it's interesting that you said 
you associate the moon with the monad because I associate the sun with the monad. But that's okay. We're allowed to disagree. <laughs> well, it's funny because Sunday is the, you know, that day of the sun and the Monday follows it. So the the moon day follows the Sunday. The mo yeah. the monad follows that. I mean, you know, you can't <laughs> you can't have the father if the if the moon is the father. You couldn't have the father without the mother. You couldn't have anything without the mother, right? So the eternal mm -hmm. all mother, they will, I, you know, there's this, there's a, a, in the Norse mythos, there's the all father, but really mm -hmm. it's the all mother. So I think right. that's it, the son, right? And Oh man, we're going to get so off track, but that's okay. And even, even with the all father, um, in that cosmology, it starts with a sacred cow way before Odin comes ah, into the picture. Perfect. Right? It starts with ice and fire and <laughs> way before gender comes into the equation at all. Mm -hmm. So that's really interesting. All right. So anyway, the glyph for the sun that we use today is the symbol of the monad. So that's just kind of interesting. But I mean, who chose that glyph? I don't know. We can get into that. Doesn't matter. <laughs> So anyway, that's the sun there in the, the tropical sign of Virgo. Now, I use tropical. I'm not a sidereal astrologer. I believe the tropical is the way to go, but that's a debate for another time. Like I said, the full moon is when the sun is on one side, the moon is on the other. So just to break this down really, really simply, right? So we have the sun on one side, and on the other, directly opposite in the sign of Pisces, we have the moon. Now, the moon is right next to the planet Neptune. Now, we can't see Neptune without some powerful telescopes, but trust me, that motherfucker is there. <laughs> Pardon my French. <laughs> so, as the sun is in the sign of Virgo, in the northern hemisphere, right up here, we're talking about harvest season, right? It's the end of our summer. It's the changing over the seasons. In the sub southern hemisphere, it's the changing over the seasons as well, but they're getting ready to enter into summer rather than ending summer right so anyway up here it's all about the harvest season right so this full moon the last full moon before the equinox is called the harvest full moon so this is the harvest full moon as the equinox is really we're not that far away from that point when it comes to a full moon there's this idea that with the new moon it's like a seed when the sun and the moon come together it's the beginning of a new cycle and um, there's actually, there's different ideas about when the new moon actually is. In modern Western astrology, we consider the conjunction, which is when both luminaries or planets are on top of the same degree. So they're exactly conjunct. That's when we consider the new moon to start. However, um, in Babylonian astrology, they considered the new moon to be when the first sliver of the moon was visible in the sky. So there's different ways to go about it regardless i like to go from the conjunction because that's just what i was taught but anyway with the conjunction it's the beginning of a seed right and as the moon is growing in light it is said to be growing in power so whatever was begun at um the seeding right whenever the the initial fertilization of an idea or an event occurred when the moon is full it's said to um, manifest that so this is the manifestation of something, um, the completion of something or the beginning of a new phase in relation to the sign of Pisces. Okay. With Pisces, this is a water sign. 
and it is all about, um, <laughs> well, it has ties to ideas of uh, spirituality and ideas of um, escapism, actually. And um, some people say that Pisces is like a culmination of all of the signs put together because it represents like everythingness. I guess that depends on who you ask, but that's one way to look at it. What's this escapism associated with Pisces? I'm curious. Um, why? Because, okay, so with Pisces, you have these ideas of wanting to seek God or wanting to um, go to the other side. Uh, there's a tendency just with the archetype to not be as grounded and to not be as like embodied right? It's less about embodiment and more about reaching up to God or the ethers or other realms. So with Pisces, you have ideas of, um, I mean, prayer and meditation and, and, um, the positive side of that looks like that, but the negative side of Pisces looks like addiction and escapism because you're still disconnecting from the body, but just in an unhealthy way rather than a healthy, healthier way. Right. So that's why. Can I ask you another question about Pisces and then we'll completely stay on track? <laughs> I believe you. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the name of the game, though. Uh, but So the Piscean Age, when was mm -hmm. that exactly in history? Okay, so there's there's debate about when these ages start and whether they actually are 100% um, tied to the physical movements of the equinox through the processed signs but um we're in the piscean age right now my friend uh we have it hasn't ended we're still there um according to um well <laughs> damn it <laughs> yeah we're, we're still there um supposedly so there's there's different ideas about when aquarius begins but right now, as far as I'm concerned, we're still in the age of Pisces um, or the age of deception, as some people like to call it, because Pisces can definitely also be about illusions and trickery and magic. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so the fun times. Anyway, some people say that Aquarius began as soon as we started communicating through telephone wires and things like that, right? Because Aquarius um, brings in ideas of communication and connectivity um, and electricity. So some people say like as soon as technology was introduced where we were able to like t like the telegraph, um, as soon as that came in and as soon as TVs were in every homes, we entered into the age of Aquarius. But I don't think that that is true. Um, I think we're still well within the age of Pisces and there's we're going through a transition period, definitely, but we still have quite a few years to go. Um, if you base when an age starts and ends um, on where... Uh, the equinox falls in the sidereal sky, right? So right now <laughs> on the autumn equinox, that line, if we were to project it out into the sky, is still within the fishes of Pisces. So um, I'd have to look it up. So maybe you can look it up while I'm talking about the Pisces full moon, but <laughs> we still have quite a few years to before we actually physically enter into uh, the age of Aquarius, if that's what you base it off of. Um, and that won't be in our lifetimes, but this is definitely a transition period for sure. How, and how uh, just really quick, how long are the, the ages in general? Uh... A good 
2,000 plus years. Uh, they say that we move one degree every 72 years, and there's 30 oh, degrees. Oh, the procession. So, yeah, procession, exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. So just, uh, just continue everything I ever said about anything. I, I already knew the answers to the questions. Anywho, What's please it? continue. That's okay. Well, I forget the math, so maybe we should do it real quick. What's uh, 30 times 72? <laughs> it up right now you look it up while i uh do the do the thing okay so anyway full moon in pisces right so we have these ideas of like magic okay like um alternate dimensions okay reaching beyond the veil these are ideas of pisces especially with neptune which is the modern ruler involved and what do i mean by involved well he's right next to the moon okay so um the moon moves an average of 13 degrees a day it is not exact it's actually 12 point something <laughs> and it depends on how close the moon is to the earth it actually speeds up and slows down based on its ellipse and we can go through that later but essentially um right after this full moon the moon will move exactly over top of where neptune is and then continue on its merry little way so essentially what i'm trying to say is neptune is definitely involved in this this um full moon and um it adds on another layer of um trickery <laughs> so so neptune neptune is associated definitely with this uh, trickster archetype and um uh there's also associations with pisces with um alcoholism and um actually i would i would include marijuana in that as well um or even psychedelics right these are the escapist things that come up right um anyway so with a full moon some people also say that this is like a portal right full and new moons are associated with um well i mean different occult practices were timed rituals were timed around the new and the full moon because of the power that they had and speaking of occult rituals apparently the queen just died supposedly allegedly it was just announced today so i find that timing very interesting but this is not the place for that <laughs> anyway so with the full moon right um pisces is also associated with the dream realm so i would definitely anticipate that um if you are a more lucid dreamer or an active dreamer that there would be an uptick in uh, dream type stuff definitely don't <laughs> want to share the dream i had last night that was incredibly vivid oh really oh no i do want to hear about it but let me let me finish about this first okay, okay? so the modern ruler of pisces is neptune but the traditional ruler is jupiter now i actually have been using both I like using both and um, <laughs> Jupiter is still a, a, a definitely a heavy hitter. But anyway, I like to look at both when I look at a chart. Okay. So Jupiter is actually in Aries and he's retrograde and Neptune is also retrograde. When we have a lot of retrograde energy, um, it's kind of like being forced to go internal rather than looking external so there's an a, an additional layer on top of that of focusing inward and going within um rather than trying to look outwards so when you combine those things right spirituality um dream realm activities <laughs> uh 
the biggest piece of advice for this kind of a full moon would be to know, you know, do a little bit of journaling or spend a little bit of time maybe um, on your own, uh, do a little bit more meditation if that's something that you're into, um, rather than trying to find fulfillment outside of you, because that is where you fall into addictive patterns, uh, especially with this kind of an energy going on. So if you're reaching outside and trying to like uh, get attention from people or use substances to feel okay, if you don't feel okay, then you're going to go down a very slippery slope. And <laughs> I mean, let me just put it this way. Okay. They call alcohol spirits for a reason. All right. Do you see the association there? Pisces, Neptune, alcohol, spirits, right? So basically on this kind of a full moon, um, I anticipate there to be some kind of event going down globally that uh, is trying to distract us and draw attention towards it to help manifest something that they, quote unquote, they want to manifest. Whereas I really think that we can actually channel this energy to, to better use by not paying attention to any of that and focusing on ourselves and what we're actually trying to dream into reality, right? So essentially channel that magic into your own life and don't pay attention to the craziness on the news right now because the guaranteed um, or, or ever fuckery afoot. Well, ever, exactly. Guaranteed there's fuckery afoot. The other thing about this full moon is on the same day, Mercury turns retrograde. So it's just one more layer on top of the retrograde um, and inward focused energy. And Mercury retrograde is like infamous for causing te technological glitches and issues communicating or people coming back to um, say, hey, what's up? You know, <laughs> just drop into your DMs. Sup? You know what I mean? So... <laughs> Don't don't pay any attention to those people. I like to think those as tests from the universe. Like, have you really uh, completed this lesson? Have you really completed this lesson, or do you hilarious. need to repeat this one again? Oh my goodness! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's a really really quick rundown. Is, is there any way to, energy. to do a, a quick rundown on the new moon in case we don't get a good around to that? Uh, yeah. This month. Yeah. It's just in a couple weeks here. For sure, I can do that. The new because new moons to me are are just as powerful and uh, play oh, a big yeah. role. You know, like like you brought up earlier, they they're tonight they're connected to the seeds and and planting and agriculture and indigenous culture here in America. They would plant a lot of crops on the new moon as it would have magnetic properties and, and properties of the water as well. And, you know, uh, spiritual properties for the plants. So for a bountiful harvest, it's a beautiful. So the new moon is right after the equinox. So that's kind of cool actually. So about two days after the equinox, boom, new moon in Libra. Um, Wow, that's an interesting chart, actually. So, new moon in Libra, it will be opposite Jupiter. So, like I was saying with the new moon, yes, 100%, you are correct. New moon is associated with this new energy, right? The seed. Um, in the sign of Libra, Libra is typically associated with, like, relationships, um, fairness, beauty, equality. Uh, it's the scales, right? So, it's symbolized by the scales, Um contracts business dealings these are libra things and um 
generally you would see a new moon in Libra, meaning that um, there's some kind of new cycle beginning in that area. So some kind of new relationship starting uh, or some kind of like new contract being signed. Um, and of course, the one, the biggest thing that I would have to say about any chart really is how this plays out on an individual level will change based on your individual chart. Like for example, Roman is a Taurus rising and I'm a Capricorn rising. So where Libra falls in our chart is in a completely different place from each other. So that house will change where like where this new cycle is actually starting. So I can really only speak in super general terms, but Anyway, the opposition to Jupiter really means that anytime Jupiter is involved, it expands everything about that thing, good or bad. <laughs> so it could be a really uh, helpful expansion, especially in the sign of Aries, as Jupiter is right now. Um, so it can really be adding like confidence and courage into this um, new partnership that's beginning. Um, or, you know, it can also cause people to um you know it can it can tip the balance right since Libra is about balance it could tip the balance one way or the other um in an unhelpful way so there's that the other thing that's really important to look at with any kind of a chart is where is the ruler of that sign so the ruler of libra is venus and venus is in virgo right next to mercury retrograde so again, there's this idea of the retrograde energy, um, especially with Venus right on top of Mercury retrograde, where um, there's something coming back up for you to relook at and um, change something about it. So um, Roman and I discussed a little bit earlier about how we want to focus a little bit more on the quality rather than the quantity and make sure that there's like just enough refinement and production value going into these shows so that it's actually like decent <laughs> to look at, <laughs> right? And not just something that's like slapped together and put out. So um, just using that as, as an example for this energy, right? So this is um, uh, like a newer project of two people right so that's definitely the libra energy um and this is actually our second time filming this so <laughs> that's definitely already embodying the the retrograde energy um and the idea is not to like make it perfect right because venus in virgo can focus a little bit too much too much um or too heavily on um heavy critique and perfecting something which can be good you know, or it can be detrimental if um, you get too, too heavily critical. So there's this, um, there's this energy here of um, needing to go back over some contracts that were signed or some deals that were made. Um, or with the example that I gave earlier about the full moon and relationships coming back, literally needing to go back over old relationships and deciding like, no, nah, this is not for me. Or actually, yeah, this, let's try this again. If, <laughs> if that's what you want to do, you know what I mean? So that is a really quick rundown um, of the new moon. And by the way, every Monday I do, um, a live show where I go over these energies for the week and then pull tarot for each sign and break down the astrology for each sign. So if you want a little bit more detail, you can come hang out with me on Monday.
Oh, yeah, yeah. You guys definitely should check out Moonday Tarot. <clears throat> if you don't, well, then. Huh. Yeah. Well, there's so yes. much, so much, <laughs> so much judgment being cast your way. Kidding. <laughs> absolutely not. Absolutely not. But it is, it is absolutely amazing show. And the more that we dive into understanding astrology, and I hope that you are, if you're watching this show, the more that we realize that these types of energies really do play a big play in our lives. And the more that you pay attention to them, the more you can uh, finally tune and direct, uh, direct things and, and understand because everything's magnetic in my opinion, everything's electric and magnetic and um, something interesting that I learned, you know, while studying the moon is that the moon has incredible magnetic qualities mm -hmm. and, you know, we have mag magnetite clusters in our brain and in our brain there's many other chemical reactions going on inside the ear now i've been looking for this the entire time we've been talking and i can't find it and i will <laughs> find it for the next one but there's a system of workings in the ear and there's like this one small stone in the ear that sends signals to your brain and scientists found that this stone itself is connected to the electromagnetic pole of the moon and some studies show that since the moon is so big it's almost like we're a two-planet system mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. there's there's kind of like this two-planet play happening and that's why the moon's effects are so strong because it's so big and obviously we're living within the earth's you know magnetosphere as well and the atmosphere so anything that's happening to affect the magnetic uh qualities of earth are in turn affecting us because we also have toroidal or magnetic fields that correspond with our bodies so anything that's happening happening to the earth is also in turn happening to us. And that's why a lot of times during a full moon, you'll get restless sleep. Mm -hmm. It's a common occurrence. It's because there's literal magnetic disturbances happening within your field. So oh, during these times, it's even more important to bathe and salt water or to do balancing acts of breathing and things like that to make sure that your body is going to be in tune because things can get thrown off. Like when you go to a heavy electromagnetic spot on the earth, you go to a heavy ley line spot, it'll throw off your magnetics in your body and it'll make you feel some type of way, whether it's really tired or really energetic. It just depends on how your body interacts with those types of things. Some people are incredibly sensitive to electromagnetics and magnetics in general. So if that's you, you probably know that every time a full moon comes around, you get real some type of way. And there's ways to go about that. And it's just understanding your body and different practices that you can do to help balance. You might also need to do a parasite cleanse, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you're waking up every four hours, you know, squirrel into the bathroom. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe you got parasites. <laughs> from the moon from the moon water not from the moon from, water your uncle yeah. is your uncle is buzz aldrin and he brought you back a flask <laughs> and he said don't ever open this this is special moon water and you were so thirsty one night 
as you reached under your bed. It was late and you were scrambling around for a quick drink. You opened the mysterious flask of moon water and ever since then you haven't been the same. All right. So <laughs> no, I love your stories, Roman. Um, all right. So on the screen here, I actually have a picture sent to us by a lovely community member, Logan. Thank you, Logan. Uh, he's been sending me moon pictures because I told him we were doing this show. So this Aww. is from September. You right? I know. So this is from September 7th. Uh, so just literally last night. And um, while we were recording, he sent me another picture. So bless his heart. <laughs> I appreciate you, Logan. So shout out to you, brother. Shout out, Logan. Thank you. Right. Hell yeah. Um, where are we going to take this next? Let's see. Ooh. Okay. Let's talk oh, a little bit of astronomy. Let's talk a little bit of astronomy. Okay. So in my studies, all right, I started with, um, learning astrology from the charts, not from the sky. And I kind of wish that I had done it the other way around, but c'est la vie. Here we are. Um, <laughs> So admittedly, this is, um, I'm a, definitely not like super professional level astronomer. Okay. So I apologize if this is an awkward <laughs> description, but I wanted to talk about a couple of the really cool things that have to do with the moon and its relationship with the earth. And, um, I brought up this illustration to help show us. Okay. So I'm sure you guys know we're told that the the earth has an a tilt, right? We we're tilted and this is how we explain the seasons and uh, all of that fun stuff, right? So, um there's also there's side side tangent side note. There's some interesting stuff about um how they say that the moon has like helped us regulate that tilt and that in our own orbit that's really interesting we uh we can definitely get into that but anyway so as you know we have full moons and we, we have new moons and occasionally we have eclipses right and an, an eclipse is when um so a solar eclipse is when there's a new moon and the moon happens to be right in front of the sun so that there's a shadow cast on the earth now, the entire Earth doesn't see the eclipse the same way. The shadow path is pretty particular, actually. Um, it's usually, it, there's usually like a swath of the Earth that sees this shadow occur. But, uh, and then <laughs> above or below that shadow path, we'll see like a partial eclipse, okay? But why is it that only some new moons are eclipses? Why not all of them? Well... From the Earth, right? Our um, our view of the sun circling us, really. I mean, okay, I'm gonna make some flat earthers mad right now, but we circle the sun, okay? <laughs> On that plane that we circle, that is ecliptic, right? And um, that that ecliptic is considered to be like the zero degree line. All right. And then anything above that is positive, has like a positive longitude and everything below that has a negative longitude. The earth, uh, sorry, the moon's orbit around the earth is tilted. It is not on that same plane. All right. It uh, intersects with that plane in two places. Those places are called the north and the south node. 
Um, they used to be called the ascending and descending node until somebody went into the southern hemisphere and realized that it's flipped from their perspective. So can't call it that anymore. <laughs> it's the north and south node. But anyway, so as the moon is um, moving around the zodiac, it will go lower below the zodiac below the ecliptic plane and then cross and go above the ecliptic plane and it has this kind of effect of going like this right it's it's tilted and uh, anyway so that north and the south node points those points those intersection points that's where the eclipses occur so when the sun is very close to those two points that's when we have eclipses right so new moon is a solar eclipse or sorry, <laughs> a solar eclipse is a new moon and a lunar eclipse is essentially a full moon where the sun, the earth and the moon are all aligned. Now, um, yeah, that's what we're told, but that's also what we experience. Uh, we are able to predict eclipses because we've been tracking uh, mathematically where these nodes are all of the time. Um, and we will definitely go into some of the number magic and um, interesting like intricacies about that later on another episode. But just want to plant that seed for now for you guys to think about. Um, and then I kind of want to talk a little bit about the like the astrological spiritual implications of the nodes real quick because it's fascinating to me. I love it. So with the south and the north node, we have the, these concepts of um, where we're coming from associated with the south node and where we're going to associated with the north node. So <laughs> when wherever the south node falls in your own personal natal chart, it contains within it that sign in that house, contains within it skill sets that you have that you've taken, they say, from a previous lifetime. It's like from the past. Um it's really important to, um, I feel it's really important to know where those nodes are and to learn about those signs and those house placements because it describes a lot of your tendencies in this life. The North Node has this hungry, um, consuming energy, sometimes even obsessive energy with it, where it's like we really, really want to go after that thing, but it's unfamiliar to us. It's unusual. It's unfamiliar. <laughs> you know, it's, it's somewhere that we've never been before. It's the future. And um, wherever that falls in the chart, and they're always 180 degrees, okay? They're always on exact opposite sides of the zodiac. Wherever that north node is, um, that is where we're developing skills in this lifetime. So it's a, it's a super fascinating study. And um, if you were to learn anything about your chart other than just where your sun and your moon are, learn about the nodes for sure because um, it's a big deal. It's a big deal, okay? <laughs> I mean, it's associated with eclipses, which are mind-blowing um, to to witness. Have you ever have you ever seen a total solar eclipse, Roman? Did you see the one in twenty seventeen in the states? Yeah. So I was working at a um, I was working in an outdoor school, and I was had a group of children with me, and cool. we went to a special place in the woods where there was like a, um, we had a few other groups with us and everybody had, they had to wear the glasses, uh, you know, per, per diem of my boss, because she was, you know, when you work with kids, other people's children, you have to have the highest, uh, safety standards. Anywho, 
um, yeah, so I, I witnessed it. Um, and right where I was in Oregon, the Eclipse Festival itself was just like a couple hours south. So I was almost to a complete totality. And yeah, it was really beautiful. I mean, time definitely stood still, shifted a bit. Um, everything flipped and went reverse, almost like a camera obscura. Like the leaves, the, shad the shadows themselves were inverted uh, on the ground. Yeah, so it was, it was really cool. Yeah, I, I definitely experienced one. I hope to experience another one. I really recommend people go to Totality wherever that may be, like it might be worth the journey to go there. And I would be surprised. I would not be surprised if in history during the eclipse totalities, because let us not forget astrology and astronomy are a sacred science and they are married together with geometry, right? And the sacred spaces in between the math it's very, very important. So that being said, I think the next eclipse that will happen, I will find myself close to totality yet again. To I, and there's there's a lot of spiritual stories that go and tie with what these eclipses are as well. You know, equinoxes and eclipses, these very specific times on our beautiful mother of a planet where our spirit and our soul can soar free throughout the collective and, and go up and out. And that's what a lot of these sacred sites are. Sacred sites, sacred mound sites are said to be uh, uh, places held where you could go during an equinox. You could go during a special time dedicated with that specific sacred site and have these spiritual experiences where your soul would do a journey and have some sort of opening experience like that. You know, back when we were uh, just as a culture and society, very spiritually connected. That sounds amazing. I would love to do that. Yeah. Just, just I find mean, myself on a, on a sacred mound or <laughs> during the totality. Ugh. Just go, just yep. go to a, just go to a golf course, like over somewhere <laughs> in New Jersey. You're like, <laughs> On a sacred site, sacred burial mound. <laughs> Just choked on my tea. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, my God. Where was it going to go with this next? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I love that you brought up um, magnetism and salt water baths and that kind of thing. Because um, I recently reread Psychic Self-Defense by Dion Fortune. Okay. Fucking amazing yes. book bless that lady thank you so much wherever the hell you are <laughs> she's dead you, now but Dion. thank you for bringing that work um to light because huge 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 resource um and uh actually joe rupe joe Ru rupe um did a full reading of the book and put it up on youtube as well so thank you joe because audiobooks are fun um, yes, they are. And, and, and it's free. So I'm like, yay. <laughs> but anyway, I got the book myself, reread it. And, uh, she actually has some, um, some really interesting points about, uh, psychic attack and it's ties mm. to moon cycles and how, I mean, I, I touched on this really briefly, how different rituals and stuff are tied to the cycle of the moon, the new and the full moon, because I mean, the veil is thinner, they say 
um, and different activities can be amplified, right? So um, I love that you brought that in because that is one of the main points that she makes. Uh, whenever you feel like or think that you might be like under a psychic attack or something like that, the first thing that you should do is think of um, that etheric energy as magnetic or bacterial in nature. And the first thing that she suggests is washing, bathing, basically. The running water essentially grounds the electricity, right? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. boom. Um, <laughs> and then, like, taking a salt scrub, the crystals of the salt, that's another huge thing. I mean, salt is infamously known for being a, a protective energy, right? Make a salt circle, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So, salt, shower, boom, beautiful. Um and I also uh, also just want to point out that like something s really simple as saying a prayer, even if you don't really believe in that, something as simple as saying a prayer can really, really help get through those kinds of moments. Um, so just putting that out there for anybody that's listening that, you know, might be um, experiencing, you know, whatever. It's important stuff, important notes. <laughs> yes. Anyway, I love that. Yeah. Saying, you know, just, just speaking to uh, whatever's out there, whatever it is, you know, there's the, the thing with prayer and the thing with thought and intention and writing, whatever, whatever form it is, whatever form it comes out to be, it all starts in the same spot within the soul or the spirit, the combustion of intuition or the combustion of an idea. When you, when you say it in your mind and whatever language is going on inside your creative mind, you know, that's, it's happening and, and you're, you're tapping in to your pantry. It's like going into your pantry and you're <laughs> pulling out these things. You're like, okay, well I have this and I know, okay, and here I, we go. And I need you know, some time and, I want to put it, you know, the Some special thing. salt. And you put it in the pot. You put it in the pot. pot Some fresh garden slowly. tomatoes. Yes, you know. Some garlic but, from the garden. You know, I've been reading about lectins, and be careful with lectins, y'all. <laughs> oh, man, I love how spiritual this this particular version of this episode got. It's fucking hilarious. Um. <laughs> I'm serious, though. Lectins. It's perfect. Okay, all right. We'll be careful about lectins. Do you know what um, lectins are? I feel like I thought I was hoping I was leading you up to ask me what lectins were. Okay. Tell us, tell us about lectins, Roman. <laughs> or <Okay>. gators, sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, so lectins are like seeds, basically. Like they're something that gets past through your, uh, in your digestional tract that like you peas? actually... Peas are a lectin, beans are a lectin, tomato seeds, cucumber corn. seeds. Corn is probably a lectin. Uh, yeah, I think most like seeds are, and it's actually not good for you. So I, I just, if anybody's having some like strange, like, you know, gastrointestinal things, which I know a lot of people are, have those things, may, maybe look at your diet and, um, Look at what seeds and beans you might be eating that contain a high level of lectin. And I just like to share that with people because we have to share the health things with each other, you know, because we're out here it's just true. trying to live, baby. I'm 
learning new things every day. And actually, you know what? I love that you brought that up because it totally ties into the astrology of the moment too. So, oh, anatomy. Uh, as far as like anatomy goes, there are different parts and organs of the body associated with each sign. And with Virgo specifically, it's the intestines. Mm. Um, so right, so it's kind of it's kind of funny that we mentioned parasites already. Now we're like, oh, if your GI tract is feeling a little, <laughs> you know. <laughs> now is Virgo going to end in the full moon sign, or is it going to end in the new moon sign? It's going to be because the new moon, right? When the equinox happens. So tropical signs are based on where the sun is in relation to the Earth. So when the when the sun sets due west that is when the equinox begins and that is when libra starts according to tropical astrology now we can we can go into this debate of months should be moons and based on the moon but sometimes i was thinking about this sometimes you don't have it where it's the new moon in a tropical solar sign first sometimes it's the full moon first it just so mm -hmm. happens that this year it's new moon then full moon sometimes it's flipped and reversed so well, you know, yep. <laughs> it, it's it seems it's just a very systematical order if we were to go through the moon, right? Like you wouldn't have to have mm -hmm. these odd months or anything, you know. I mean, the moon itself would probably like the days might vary a little bit. Like I haven't studied too deeply in on like what a full entire year looks like and then over a few years of like how that lapses out. Um, but since it's just basically like it every night is its phase and it's pretty consistent it just seems like if we were going on a you know consistent calendar schedule that if we did follow the moon it would be pretty you know systematical uh time wise and it seems like it would be pretty efficient i don't know but we're <laughs> used to the calendar we already have but it just our, it just seems calendar's that fucked. Way. Because <laughs> we're always paying attention to the moon. Like, everybody's like, God, I fucking hate my wife because she's over here trying to make me tomato soup. It's like, dude, you realize the full moon's happening tonight, right? Like, calm down. And he's like, wait, really? Every full moon, I get crazy. Oh, my cousin's a cop. He said that every full moon, they always got the drunk thing full up. You know, stats show lunacy. that crime is up. Yeah, lunacy is showing. Mm -hmm. Oh, then why the fuck? As a society, don't we pay more attention to that? And, you know, we're going off of some some other bullshit, you know? So <laughs> I, I do I do appreciate it because I, I go off a of moon calendar of how I try to book podcasts and shows and, you know, things. And it's just I, I feel like I might be magnetically sensitive as well because, yeah, the moons make me feel some type of way. <laughs> well, I think that, uh, I mean... How could we talk about the moon without talking about the calendar? I think that um, it's important to acknowledge both, right? Like ancient so stone monoliths tracked when the equinoxes and solstices occurred, as well as when important moon cycles occurred. So I think that we should not be focusing on one or the other. I think that we should try and find a synthesis and use both and track both. So that's my opinion on it. But <laughs> but anyway, so... Um, where was it going with this next? Fuck. Anyway, so Virgo, <laughs> Virgo's the intestines, right? But since we're having the new moon, or sorry, full moon in Pisces, I got to talk about Pisces too. Pisces is the feet. And um, what's really fascinating to me about this polarity, this axis, 
is with uh, the intestines, this is your body's way of pulling nutrients and sorting what's useful versus what's waste, literally, right? Well, the feet, we also absorb stuff through our feet. And we have the ability to, de to detox through our feet as well. So isn't that kind of a cool thing? It's like both things pull in stuff to the body. Anyway, just thought that was a really cool kind of thing to note. Fun oh, facts yeah. of the day. Fun oh, facts yeah. Of the day. Amazing. It's like, uh, you know, the, the, the feet or the intestine. Uh, no, I don't know. But they're connected. <laughs> yes. I, I was trying to come up with something cool in there. And, uh, well, okay. I, I have a I have a fun article I, I'd like to share with the gang. Yeah, do that. Um, would you like to share your screen? Yeah, we could do that. I think that you've got a button to do that, and then I can add it. Sweet, sweet, sweet. sweet. There you go, my All friend. All right. So, what I I was, you know, back in the day, in antiquated days, people would con consider their basic thinkings of deep, deep things, philosophy, right? And, you know, we don't call ourselves philosophers anymore, but we are all philosophers. We are <laughs> all philosophers, especially if you think about stuff. If you just think about things and question them, then you're, you're philosophizing with yourself. So the other day I was, in fact, philosophizing with myself. You know, I was doing these different podcasts and things. I One of the, the big things I'm really grateful for, for doing these podcasts, is it allows me to dive a bit deeper into things. I don't really have a choice. I've made a commitment already, you know? So I have to. And I love it. But every day is different because, you know, I'm a strange beast uh, that is, is sensitive to, I guess, celestial energies because every day is different for me and, uh, you know, of, of my emotions and how they feel just like we all are. Right. So, and so anyways, the other day I was thinking to myself about the moon, the sun, what the fuck is really going on in space? Because I have zero idea. I have no idea what's happening. Dude, you and me both. <laughs> Nobody knows, but it's fine. I can't speak for anybody else. People want to have their cosmological beliefs, and that's amazing. And I love that for them. You know? But anyways, um, I was thinking about this time that I actually had a psychedelic experience. And during this psychedelic experience, it was, in fact, the fall season. The fall season... I don't know if you guys noticed this, but start looking out for dates on things. I'm talking when you're looking up history, when you're watching strange news clips on YouTube or whatever, and especially paranormal things uh, or mysteries. And look how many things happen in September and August or uh, September and October and November and a lot in October. Now, there's a lot of strange just things that happen during this time. And I, I was uh, so and there's spiritual uh, uh, travels that happen during this time, too, like the mound building cultures like I was talking about earlier with the sacred sites and having these equin uh, equinox meetings and things like that. So I, I was taking some of the psychedelics when I was younger and I had this out of body experience where I like I, I couldn't really walk, you know, I had to lay down on the ground and I just left my body. 
and I went up into the space. I went up into the ether. You know, I was just gone. I don't know where I went, but I went up. And I was a light body blob. You know, it was kind of blue, blue, white, sparkly white. And I was up in like the upper atmosphere, it seemed like. And I was just bumping around other white, blue blobs of energy. And it seemed like we were, you know, just somewhere up. And so when I came, came back to and everything, I started seeing all these almost like beehive shapes. Uh, you know, I've seen the stars. If you go and look at the stars in the constellations, you know, you have brighter stars and lighter stars, stars that are seen closer, stars seen farther away. Well, I started just, I think I can still do it too. Sometimes I wonder if I'm making myself do it. If I'm making myself see these stars in this way, but I, I start to see a geodesic structure and I start to see the geodesic connections in between like a beehive. And I was like, there's gotta be a connection to this queen bee worker bee, you know, fractalization happening with the sacred geometry of the universe. And, you know, this beautiful, <laughs> paradigm of the bees because they're incredibly unique and uh so i was thinking about the sun as the queen bee and everything else within her grasp are the worker bees giving the energy she emits like the ultimate frequency of being a queen you know and producing life whilst the others you know kind of just refract and work within that system and so I was trying to find things on bees and the cosmos and such. But then I found that there's a thing called a moon bee. And the moon bee, sometimes called a night bee, were often referred to as luna bees in the ancient past. This nocturnal bee is a highly social insect with clear divisions of labor and a caste system. These rare insects are highly prized for their honey production and pollinating effects. Wow. And yeah, it's so there's bees doing their thing at night that we don't even know about. I love that. <laughs> a typical a typical colony of bees has one female queen and a few thousand male drone bees and tens of thousands of female worker bees. Eggs are laid one time by the queen in a cell in the honeycomb. And that is the queen may lay either unfertilized or fertilized eggs. The unfertilized eggs will develop into male drones while the fertilized eggs will develop into either female workers or a new female queen, depending on what they're fed. Honey and pollen feeding results in the, uh, result in the workers with the royal jelly, which is amazing. Mm. You guys have ever had royal jelly. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. That was beautiful. And, you know, you you could be imagining shit, but I don't think you were. <laughs> it's all good, bud. It's all the, good. Other, the other night, I so I'm out here in, in rural California, so I have a great view of the stars. I mean, I walk out right out my front door here, go to the driveway, and there is the perfect view of the Big Dipper right mm. there. Every yeah. night, Big Dipper's there, so I like to look at it. You know, and so I go out there a lot 
and the dogs, you know, we go outside and listen to the birds and the coyotes and all the things. And the other night I was standing there and I had to go check on my, my pumps, uh, you know, filling water tanks at night. So I don't have to fill them in the morning. And I had a timer on for 20 minutes and I kept going out every 20 minutes and I kept seeing a moving light right through the big dipper constellation just in about the same i mean like maybe you know in my retrospect a few inches apart from each other but there were just one light going across and i would go out there every 20 minutes i'd be like i i there's no way i'm gonna see another one in the same fucking spot there's no way i'm gonna see another light going in the same direction from the same spot but it turns out i did i saw four of them until i was just like okay I'm done because I, I thought I was just being, you know, fucked with. Uh, maybe these satellites are all going in the same, you know, they're in the same uh, orbit or something. But it was just interesting, you know, seeing moving lights in the sky is always a fun thing. Right. Well, okay. So <laughs> um, I brought up an article. I can't believe I didn't find this sooner. But um, I really love that uh, there's so many different theories about where the moon came from. And what's interesting to me about what a lot of the videos and articles were saying is that they had, it's almost like the science has settled on this one theory. But as soon as you dig just a little bit deeper, there's contradictions <laughs> within that theory. And, um, kind of changing the topic a little bit, but I mean, just trying to, re just trying to rein you back in a little bit, but. <laughs> oh, you're talking, well, no, you better bring up an article. Let's go. Yeah, dude. Yeah. So yes, this is Wikipedia. I know. I know. Hey, I have terrible. a Wikipedia article. It's all good. You know, whoever contributes <laughs> but, to that is, you know, we value your time and effort. Thank you. Beautiful. There you go. Boom. 100%. So. What I what I love about this though is that right within the Wikipedia article it talks about some of the the problems that are that are inherent in this one um, main theory that we have. So I'm gonna read just a little bit of this, okay? So the origin of the moon is usually explained by a Mars-sized body striking the Earth, making a debris ring that eventually collected into a single natural satellite, the moon. But there are a number of variations on this giant impact hypothesis, as well as alternative explanations, and research continues into how the moon came to be. Other proposed scenarios include captured body, fission, formed together, which is the condensation theory or synestia, synestia, planetismal collisions Sinestia. Sinestia, thank you <laughs> formed from asteroid like bodies and collision theories so this is the the main theory that people talk about this one right here the standard giant impact hypothesis suggests that a mars sized body called thea impacted the proto-earth creating a large debris ring around the earth the collision also resulted in the 23.5 degree tilted axis of the Earth, thus causing the seasons. The moon's oxygen isotope ratios seem to be essentially identical to the Earth's. Now that is actually where things get a little bit funky, because I also found an article that refutes that. But anyway, 
So it says that oxygen isotope ratios, which may be measured very precisely, yield a unique and distinct signature for each solar system body. If Theia had been a separate protoplanet, it probably would have had a would have had a different oxygen isotopic signature, as would the ejected mixed material. Also, the moon's titanium isotope ratio appears so close to the Earth that little, if any, of the colliding's body colliding body's mass could likely have been part of the moon. So essentially, what they're saying is like these two things formed from the same thing, right? Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm, it's really interesting. Yeah, this is a general consensus across yeah. the mainstream. It's what uh, they understanding say. Of it. Yes, it's what they That's say. That's what they say. What and they and say. intuitively, it does make sense. Yeah, I, I can dig it. You know, if you hit something that if you hit a rock and you make that rock chunk out, it's gonna have debris. Like you know, mm-hmm. so I you know I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. But I'm saying intuitively, it makes sense. Yeah, you know, like, I've never seen, you know, an asteroid hit the planet, so I don't know. Right. Yeah, it's very interesting. So anyway, essentially, Actually, nobody what? has exactly. So <laughs> I, I think, I think a lot of science is speculative, even though it's fucking science. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. So this is a really cool hypothesis, actually. The Sinus. Sinestia, Sinestia. Oh my God. Sinestia. Sinestia. I gotta just say it like you. Gotta say it like a bottled water company. Sinestia from the Alps. Sinestia. Anyway, sorry. From the Alps. Sinestia moon water. (laughs) Are you drinking moon dew? (laughs) Sinestia (laughs) moon water. Oh man, that's good. Wow, beautiful, terrifying. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I had to. (laughs) No, that's perfect. That's perfect. Okay, so anyway, this is a really interesting hypothesis. This one, Um, I'm gonna butcher the explanation. So we're actually, I'm going to link in the description um, a short, like, 15 minute video that I came across that I sent to Roman actually that goes over the three kind of like main um kind of boring honestly but <laughs> the three main like scientifically accepted quote unquote um theories about how the moon came to be and it begins with the the standard impact theory and then it explores two other ones and it it does talk about some of the issues that um come about the contradictions with these two first theories and then this third theory is really interesting um and no matter what your view of the earth whether you think that uh it's flat or round or whatever i think that um this third one is is really interesting very interesting and um it's definitely something to look at that uh i don't know i i think it's compelling so anyway it says that In 2018, researchers at Harvard and blah, 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 developed computer models demonstrating that one possible outcome of a planetary collision is that it created a (laughs) synestia, a mass of vaporized rock and metal, which formed a biconcave disk extending beyond the lunar orbit. Uh, The synestia will eventually shrink and cool to accrete the satellite and reform the impacted planet. Um, 
essentially what this com- computer model showed was that it created a giant toroidal field of all of the things and then solidified into two separate bodies the moon and the earth so i just i thought it was really fucking cool so yeah anyway. it's, it's, it is super interesting and that video is pretty well done honestly i mean mm-hmm. uh, you know the thing is is we we can't we it, kaylee we cannot hold on to our beliefs during this show they're suspended <laughs> They're absolutely suspended. And we're looking at any and all the angles, talking about, yes, our experiences, but yet we cannot suspend our beliefs upon this. So, yeah, what is it they say that um, uh, belief or expectation is the enemy of truth? One of those two. I don't remember. Belief is the enemy of knowing. Oh, okay. Thank you. It's <laughs> uh, a classic. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, no, the Senestia, it kind of reminds me of, you know, when Saturn births other planets or when these gaseous planets produce other planets. It's, it's happened. I think there has been witness of it on a, on a, on a, uh, a recent level. Uh, but for sure, Saturnian cosmology, which is another alternative cosmology, mm-hmm. talks about that. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, in mainstream physics, uh, physics and, and astronomy, their gaseous planets do create other gaseous bodies. They, they are bodies that can create other bodies. And so, <clears throat> you know, before the Earth, whenever the Earth and the moon were put together, uh, you know, before that, before the earth and the moon were together and the earth was just doing its thing, growing, however it may be, it was going through massive amounts of changes. Uh, and what they say is, you know, is having massive amounts of volcano activity and, you know, potentially even at one point, you know, it wasn't anything you could stand on and it was more gases and like, nuclear explosions from within the earth's core and shit like that. Like a tiny toddler just throwing a fit in the grocery <laughs> store because it's not yeah. getting the Flintstones gummies, okay? The Flintstones <laughs> gummies are going to save my nightmares from my terrible dolls that you got me that are murdering me every night in my dreams, Mom. Roman, do you need to see a therapist? I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> Raggedy Ann and Andy dolls. They were five feet tall. They were bigger than me. I didn't, I didn't. What was I supposed to just have good dreams about that? Giant dolls with thread for hair and button eyeballs. And, you know? Oh man. Some of the, other, some of the other theories that are really interesting just to note. And I, I love that um, even though it's Wikipedia, it's still listing all of these alternative theories. So there's like the capture theory where the moon was captured by earth and we stole it from Venus or from some other planet or, you know, something crazy like that. There's a nuclear explosion theory where earth like ejected a bunch of shit from it. <laughs> just like, just like, you know, have you ever seen alien or <laughs> the alien yes. like burst? So like, yeah, anyway, like that, that's <laughs> what I pictured when I was watching that. I was like, yep. Oh, okay. Yep. Anyway. So there's, there's that theory. There's a bunch and it's, um, I mean, honestly, props, props to uh, Wikipedia for even listing this, considering that, um, you know, their track record. So anyway, we can move on from that. <laughs> yeah, for real, 
for real. Uh, so th this is the the hollow moon theory, which is another theory. Ooh, yes, it does not list that one. That is too fringe for Wikipedia. So thank this you for bringing that Wikipedia one in. Page. Do you see what I'm? Oh, is it really? <laughs> oh wait, Am hold I on. I gotta... Okay, you are sharing. There you go. Okay. Oh snap! There it is, right on it's the Wikipedia's. Wiki. It's a oh, it's a wiki shit. page. Uh, but yeah. because it actually came from one of the Apollo missions uh, that, you know, where they, oh, put, they, up si they, they put up they put up seismographs on the moon and then they started uh, dropping their space junk on it to to make a shake. Like they're like, we need to trying to measure the density uh, with the seismographs. They were trying to check for moon quakes. Moon and didn't deserve that shit. Yeah, it didn't. Just, but you just know, neither, did the, neither did the pyramids when we were trying when we were blowing <laughs> the pyramids up with dynamite to try to get through the walls. Good point. You know, kind of that's just what we did assholes. in the past. Yeah, we're we're kind of destructive <laughs> assholes, you know. Um, and there's like I heard years ago on some podcast, some guy, you know, when you're just getting into the podcast realm and these guys are like just blowing your mind left and right. Like you're getting your mind melted. That's me you're... like every day, Brad. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, this guy, I just, one of those in lots of things stick out to you. So like, to me, what stuck out to me this one time, this guy said the Nazis were shooting rockets at the moon and they said it rang like a bell. That's fascinating. I love now, that. That is a loaded statement. Once you start to fucking look at, the occult history and you know uh we could get into the nazi bell which is its whole thing um a flying device an electromagnetic flying device that hitler was trying to build and he had a base for it and everything i think somewhere i'm I, somewhere in in europe he built this strange looking thing I, I might bring it up here later or the fact that Werner Braun braun was part of the Reich and he started NASA, was one of the founding fathers of NASA. So when they say Nazis did that, and then they talk about NASA going and putting these seismographs on there, they were shooting stuff at the moon. So it's a loaded thing, you know? And to me, I did, it took me a while to really start to get here. And then now, now I'm starting to look at the moon from all these different perspectives and I, I see it. And so, yes, um, they said it rang like a bell, and we'll get to that. So the hollow moon hypothesis and the closely related spaceship moon hypothesis propose that the Earth's moon is either wholly hollow or otherwise contains a substantial interior space. No scientific evidence exists to support this idea, and seismic observations and other data collected since spacecraft begin to orbit or land on the moon indicate that it has a thin crust, extensive mantle, and a small, dense core, although overall it is much less dense than Earth. The first publication to mention a hollow moon, uh, hollow moon was H.G. Wells in 1901 on the first men in the moon. The Did first you say H.G. Wells? H.G. Wells, yes. Bro, he wrote, he wrote New World Order. Yeah, H.G. Wells is in, an incredibly prolific author that also, if I'm not mistaken, wrote uh, – oh, I guess we can just pull him up here real quick. Let's look at his works. Uh, yeah, H.G. Wells' works. Damn, son. 
Yeah, Sorry, H.G. Wells. Distraction. <laughs> no, H.G. Wells is OG. Film adaptions. I guess we can go to that. Um, yeah, War of the Worlds, First Men, and the Moon was a mo- movie in 1964. Now, like I was saying, look, notice oh, how War it's. War of the Worlds. Yeah, he wrote War of the Worlds. Oh, and then shit. they did the whole, you know, War of the Worlds uh, thing. But the First Men in the Moon. In. Mm-hmm. In. Mm-hmm. I hear you. The Moon. In. Okay. Not, not in. on. Not of. Not around. In. in. Oh, it didn't work. In 1970, two Soviet authors published a short piece in the popular press speculating that the moon might be the creation of alien intelligence. And since the late 1970s, the hypothesis has been endorsed by conspiracy, conspiracy theorists like Jim Mars and David Icke. The hollow moon hypothesis is a suggestion that the moon is hollow, usually as a product of an alien civilization. It is often called the spaceship moon hypothesis and often corresponds with beliefs of UFOs or ancient astronauts. The suggestion of a hollow moon first appeared in science fiction when H.G. Wells wrote about a hollow moon in his 1901 book, First Men and the Moon. The concept of hollow planets was not new. First discussion of a hollow Earth was by scientist Edmund Holley. And yes, that's Holly's comment. Uh, I have this book, Hollow Earth. It's really great. Uh, Wells borrowed from earlier fictional works described a Hollow Earth, such as a 1741 novel, Niels Kim Underground Travels, and Ludwig Holberg. In 1920, French author Marshall B. Gardner cited Wells' speculation of a hollow moon as support of the Hollow Earth theory. Both hollow moon and hollow earth are now considered to be a fringe theories or conspiracy theories. The concept of the moon as a spaceship is often mentioned as one of David Icke's beliefs. In 1969 and 1977, the seismometers installed on the moon by Apollo missions recorded moon quakes. The moon was described as ringing like a bell. During some of those quakes, specifically the shallow ones, this phrase was brought to popular attention in March 1970 in an article, Popular Science. On November 20th, 1969, the Apollo 12 deliberately crashed the ascent stage of its lunar module onto the moon's surface. NASA reported that the moon rang like a bell for almost an hour, leading to arguments that it must be hollow, like a bell. Lunar seismology experiments since then have shown that the lunar body has hollow or shallow moon quakes that act differently from quakes on Earth due to differences in texture type density and planetary strata. But there is no evidence of any large empty space inside the body. Well, how much drilling have we done on the moon? Um, in 1970, Michael Vassin and Alexander Shorobakov of the Soviet Academy of Sciences advanced a hypothesis of the moon as a spaceship created by unknown beings. The article was entitled, Is the Moon a Creation of Alien Intelligence? And was published in Sputnik, the Soviet equivalent of Reader's Digest. The Vassin Shurpakov hypothesis was reported in the West that same year. Their hypothesis relies heavily on the suggestion that large lunar craters generally assumed to be formed from meteor impact are generally too shallow and have a flat, even convex bottoms. They hypothesize that small meteors are making a cup-shaped depression in the rocky surface of the moon, while the larger meteors are drilling through a rocky layer and hitting an un 
an armored hold underneath. The authors reference either speculation, astrophysicist Losi Slovatsky, uh, who suggested the Martian moon Phobos was an artificial satellite and hollow. This has since been shown not the case. Skeptical author John Calavito points out that all of their evidence is circumstantial and that in the 1960s, the aesthetic or atheistic Soviet Union promoted the ancient astronaut concept in an attempt to undermine the West faith and religion. Now, I'm going to go into, oh, there's so much more goodness here. <laughs> but you guys can look it up on your own. Okay, there's just an article. Uh, yeah, so a lot of stuff there. And I, I watched some videos on the readings when when they when they when they did the seismograph readings and the bar went from having zero activity to having heightened activity and it was going for about an hour so if you've ever just i can hit a symbol on a drum set you hit the symbol and it just you put a microphone underneath the symbol like your ear won't hear the noise, but you put a microphone under the symbol and it continues to have this low for a while, like a tuning fork as well. And so metal has an incredible reverberation, reverb and uh, reverberation. And it's amazing. And so, yeah, it's really interesting um, that they that they said that it rings like a bell. You know, bells have a have a <laughs> they have they have an esoteric history that we're not going to get into on this episode, but I guarantee <laughs> you we will get into it on this show. Word. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to pull that up. Actually, the seismic sounds on the moon. Yeah, they're really so cool to play. There was this um, classified project on one of the apollo missions that is still classified to this day uh but you know when they got up when they go up to the moon they were doing a lot of uh tactics to try to prepare moon bases because it was basically a race it was a space race against these other countries and organizations and we needed to get to the moon first and we needed to make sure that, you know, we had secure ground on there. Well, the mystery, one of the main mysteries in esoteric or uh, conspiracy circles, at least, is that since we did get to the moon, well, you want to even more conspiracy theory, we never got to the fucking moon. But <laughs> let's say that we did. Let's say that we did get to the moon. Okay, so we got to the moon and we have only been able to do send about 12 humans to step foot on the moon in 50 years. Well, one, one for each zodiac sign, huh? Oh, hmm, huh, hmm. Huh, interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Were they Gemini's? Because they would name a lot of huh. shit after Gemini uh, in the space stuff, you know? Uh, anyways, uh, you know, so we have a lot of astronauts and not even a, not even a, small percentage of them have gone to the moon in reality you know how many of them are even in orbit how many of these astronauts are even really out in space like for real so you know uh i guess the point i was getting at is 
how did we lose the technology, you know, lose the interest? Like, is, you know, what, what's going on? Like a lot of the, a lot of the talk is that we lost interest because there was no necessary need for a space race anymore. Like or, a race beginning in other countries or, or we were told to never come back or, or exactly. Or we found something so profound and there's so much usefulness of it that, you know, it can be told that, you know, like we're, yeah, like we just can't tell the American people about it or anybody about it because we want to harvest this energy or, you know, there's minerals there that we can continuously get because the asteroid mining is a thing. Or we were told mm -hmm. to never come back by the true rulers of the moon. Right. Or a combination thereof. So I just brought up a quote, actually, speaking of astronauts that have been to the moon. This is from Buzz Aldrin. It says, beautiful, beautiful, magnificent desolation. Oh. Damn. Buzzy what a, boy. What a juxtaposition. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we fully intend on investigating and interviewing some people that, do, that um, believe that the moon landing was a hoax. And we'll definitely be going into that in its own dedicated episode because it deserves its own dedicated episode, um, that whole debate. So <laughs> hold on to your panties. Don't get them in a bunch. We will explore all of that. Trust oh, me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. No, thank you for bringing up that Hollow Moon stuff. That's super fun. It's a really interesting um, story uh, and theory. I don't know. I, li I like the Hollow Moon one. I think it's uh, it's fascinating. But yeah. I mean, you know, the magnetic qualities of it, like mainstream moon, is that they brought back moon rock? They brought back 800 pounds of moon rocks, and those moon rocks had magnetic quality to them. Well, there's only one type of mineral on Earth that has magnetic quality naturally, uh, and that is magnetite. All other, I guess, no. There are there are some other ones that have like very light magnetic quality, but magnetite is just a, the strongest natural lodestone magnet. And everything else is given magnetic charge. Well, I guess it doesn't have to be magnetized if it's in space because it could be getting magnetic charge from being out in space, like electricity and plasma floating through. There's so much. I'm I'm speaking pseudophysics right now. So please continue with whatever you have next. Um, I was going to read a little bit from this article actually from somebody that we will actually be interviewing. His name's Tom Montauk, not Montauk, like MK ultra, but <laughs> Montauk spelled M O N T A L K. He has this really interesting article called food for the moon where, um, he has some quotes from Gurdjieff, Ospensky, uh, more of more. Oh my God. Boris Moravif, Moravif, oh my God, I'm so sorry, I'm mispronouncing that, but whatever. Um, and also from Max uh, Hedzel, sorry, Mark Hedzel, oh my gosh, Mark Hedzel, all about how we are food for the moon and we feed the moon. But anyway, I just want to read one little, one little thingy um, from the Zelator. All right, so damn it, sorry, my bad. 
it's a it's a massive it's a massive thing so i'm not going to read all of it i'm just going to pull up a couple of um important points all right so in the meeting prior to his death our master fulfilled his promise to speak about the secrets of the moon normally he would wait for someone in our midst to ask a question the time this time he began to speak without preamble in the esoteric literature you will find many records indicating that the moon was at one point at one time part of the earth had to leave the earth in order to allow life on earth to continue its spiritual development unimpeded it is important that anyone on the path should attempt to form a clear picture of what this separation was like not only was it of considerable evolutionary importance in the cosmogenesis of the earth but it is played in miniature in many of our spiritual activities it is the archetypal form of fission now unfortunately in modern times even our imaginative faculties have been materialized and it's it is difficult for us to form a picture of what this moon loss was really like. It is difficult for us to form clear images of the fission which lies at the root of all spiritual activity. It is difficult for modern man and woman to visualize things in purely spiritual terms. This is because the picture making which lies at the basis of our imaginative faculty longs for mythology, since mythology is itself an agency of spirituality. If you cannot imagine in this way at present, you must perforce cling to materialistic images. He touched the glass of water on the round table in front of him. Then imagine a glass of water clouded with a pigment. If the glass is left to stand, the particles will settle to the bottom in a thick dross, leaving the water above clear. This is much nearer to the spiritual reality of what happened when the moon left the earth, taking with it certain forms of dross materiality. The schema which depicts the planets in extended space pertains only to physical vision. You must understand this or there will be no way in which you can approach some of the greater mysteries of the cosmos. What appears to be on the outside is more accurately described as being on the inside. Our earthly vision is extremely limited for, under normal circumstances, we see outwards from the central ego to the cosmic periphery. However, this is not the cosmic vision. We are so used to this limited vision that we are not sufficiently tolerant to accept that there can be others, including a vision from the periphery into the center. In the case of the moon, the matter is made more complex, but the fact that the physical matter of the moon did once form part of what we now call the earth. Within the context of the lunar sphere, the two centers did once coincide. A tremendous effort of meditative power is required to follow these connections. However, in the bald statement I've made can result in misconceptions. Why, asked Philip, did the moon have to separate from the earth? It was a cosmic fission. The moon represents the harder min mineralization of the earth. In the body of the moon is the matter which, had it remained with the earth, would have weighed down human development too deeply. Man would not have been able to bear the weight of those forces in his own body. Just as we know from our own observations of ourselves that we must slough off darkness to reach into the light, so the planetary bodies must also involve themselves in a similar fission. Even so, it is true that the weight of the moon, albeit removed by half a million miles, still contorts the physical body of the Earth and its inhabitants through what are usually called gravitational effects. Now we must touch upon the connection between the moon and clairvoyancy. We must do this because one of our members has, wisely or unwisely, become involved with mediumistic groups. It is important that we set out very <laughs> clearly the dangers inherent in opening the soul to such activities. It is not for me to forbid such activity. I have no power to forbid and would relish no such power. 
Much as I would wish to protect you, I cannot. The best I can do is make the dangers clear to you. After that, your beliefs and your conduct remain your own. He looked around at our faces as though to indicate that he had arrived at the most important point of the evening. We must, and so now we must look at an esoteric truth which touches on the very edge of what is permissible. What I have to say will be greatly disturbing for many people of modern times. It will disturb because it is generally taken for granted that clairvoyancy, mediumship, and spiritualistic activity are somehow linked with spiritual development and consequently of benefit to mankind. Unfortunately, this is far from the truth. A vast amount of our modern so-called spiritualist literature pertains to channeling and clairvoyancy, which is far from beneficial for the development of mankind. Indeed, not to mince words, I should tell you that it is distinctly harmful. I must now make a statement which will introduce to you a concept which was, until comparatively recently, one of the deepest secrets of the esoteric schools. In some ways, the moon is the greatest problem of esoteric lore. The moon is not at all what it appears to be. I know this is long, but <laughs> it's fucking good. <laughs> at the end of the last century, an astounding revelation was made. As a result of dissent among members of secret schools, information hitherto guarded jealously by the most enclosed of the inner orders was made public. The secrets disclosed pertain to a far deeper level of knowledge than has hitherto been made exoteric by the schools even in this enlightened age. His trace of cynicism seemed to go by unnoticed. A purpose here is not to document how, how so deep an esoteric idea was made public, or even to assess whether it was wise for this idea to be brought out. All of this has been dealt with in the literature. And if any of you wish to follow this up, I will give you a few titles later. In a nutshell, what was made public during this conflict in the schools was the truth that our moon is a sort of counterweight to another sphere which remains invisible to ordinary vision. This counterweighted sphere is called in esoteric circles the eighth sphere. We must be careful with these words, for, in spite of what I have just said, this region is not itself a sphere, nor is it a moon. Even to locate it behind the physical moon is not correct, for in the spiritual realm, spaces and distances are different. The truth is that this eighth sphere does not pertain to anything we are familiar with on the physical plane, yet we must use words from our own vocabularies whenever we wish to denote its existence. Were we to use a word which fits most appropriately this sphere, then we should really call it a vacuum. Certainly vacuum is a more appropriate term than sphere, for the eighth sphere sucks things into its own shadowy existence. This sphere is lower in the scale of being than the seventh sphere, which is the earth. It acts as a sort of demonic conduit to suck into its maws certain degenerate spiritual forms on the earth. It is a shadow sphere controlled by shadow beams. However, the fact that they are shadow beams should not lead us to demonstrate or underestimate, or demote, sorry, to demote or underestimate their capabilities and intelligence. In many respects, they are more intelligent than man, for they are not limited by the power of love, as is mankind. So you see, you see what he's saying, saying there? The moon is basically demonic. <laughs> the operation of this eighth sphere is complex. It's Denzians, those shadowy beings for whom it is home, wish to people their sphere, wish to people their sphere with humanity, or more accurately, ah, with human souls. Towards this end, it has erected what we might call terminals on the earth which will suck into the lower sphere a certain form of materialized spiritual energy that is engendered on the earth plane. 
the most usual circumstances where this materialization or engendering takes place is in seances and in other localities where human beings attempt to meddle against the cosmic law with the lower etheric planes. Are you saying that spiritualist activity is itself victimized by the eight sphere? Yes, certain spiritualist activity is colored by the erroneous belief, erroneous belief that the realm of the dead is accessible to the living. In truth, mediumistic, mediumistic activity cannot penetrate through into the true realm of the dead. It is therefore dealing only with shadows. In so doing, it is creating fodder for the nourishment of the eighth sphere. So essentially he's saying, you fuck around and find out. <laughs> You're not really talking to the dead is what he's saying. He's saying that... Uh, doing these seances and uh, certain rituals. You're just feeding these shadow beings. Uh, well, into a mirror Super oftentimes, which is interesting through the uh, seances and clairvoyance and the rise of spiritualism in the late 1800s. <clears throat> uh, they were using mirrors to do this. Like they were called psychomantiums and they would have multiple <laughs> mirrors set up. That's how they would talk to these spirits. So it's interesting the that that association is like he's saying food for the moon you're feeding the mm -hmm. you're feeding this thing well you're feeding the mirror and that's where like these images are coming through so that's that's pretty fucking fascinating we're, we're talking to this guy this okay, is yeah. your homie well th that was from a written work called the zelator and it was cited in this article by tom montauk and we will be talking to tom we just got to set a date but um yeah, super fascinating. I love it. Um, so yeah, there's there's quite a bit in here. I'll link I'll link to this as well. It's definitely yeah. We should definitely link all can, the articles we read. I would love yeah, that so, if we do that. So it's definitely something that we can expand on and um, talk about. But I think it's really fascinating this idea that um, certain spiritualist activities that are supposed to be like. Mm, for our like betterment and evolution some people say actually are not for our betterment and evolution and actually just feed dark dark like dark demonic forces and shit so something to think about yeah, yeah <laughs> on this absolutely. pisces full moon fucking cheers bud cheers 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 <laughs> uh absolutely yeah no i mean i i studied the spiritualist movement uh i still am it's still part of mm -hmm. the working working studies and i'll say the roots of it are <laughs> you know they're, they're interesting to say the least but they're they're picking up on a lot of older um practices that go into the dark arts i mean it's spiritualism is tied into the dark arts i think a lot of it was the mesmerism uh mm. the smoke in the mirrors Hip that was, and that yeah all of that whole thing was you know the occult practices are not just something people talk about now. There's something people have been talking about esoteric knowledge and occult practices for centuries. Oh yeah. Because for centuries it's been going on behind some closed doors somewhere. And it's well, always a group of people doing it, always a group of people talking about people doing it. Even even things like healing yourself with herbs was considered witchcraft and punishable by death, right? So there's a reason why certain things are occulted, right? Sometimes it's literally just for safety. Um, and then sometimes it's um, should should everybody have this knowledge? Like, is it safe? I don't know. But anyway, I have one more quote 
Um, this one is from Gurdjieff, which I just realized I missed a letter spelling his name. So that sucks. But anyway, everything living on the earth, people, animals, plants is food for the moon. All movements, actions, and manifestations of people, animals, and plants depend upon the moon. If we develop in ourselves consciousness and will and subject our mechanical life and all our mechanical manifestations to them, we shall escape from the power of the moon. Dun, dun, dun. G.I.G. That guy's cool. I like him. I like him a lot. Yeah, I like like that concept, food for the moon. Uh, Interesting. It is really interesting. It's it's very very interesting, yeah. yeah. Well, just really quick back on the on the witches and the herbs thing, mm-hmm. you know the the area of the the Reformation and the and the witch hunt uh, of like the you know the early Renaissance period and everything like that. You know, that being said, that that was happening. I think a lot of that was like shugazi. You know, like like look at these witches over here. Oh yeah, they're terrible. But really over here, you know, all these alchemical processes are happening in the royal court and they're using all these same herbs, you know. It's so like killing the competition, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah like a hundred percent. I mean, it's like it's like it's spiritual warfare going on constantly. Um, I have one final article um, yeah. to touch on the alchemical properties of the moon. And oh, yeah. then I think we can just do our closey closies because it's we're wrapping on almost two hours here. Uh, This is called Lunar Alchemy. The moon is your mirror. I'm going to go real narrate on this, okay? (laughs) Okay, I'm ready. (laughs) Imagine a velvety black sky above you, encrusted with diamond stars. Night after night, you notice a sliver of light growing in the sky. Where there was nothing, a crescent has formed. Each passing night, the crescent of light grows larger, rounder, and fuller, growing until the whole night sky is lit with a silver mirror, cascading light over shadows and pulling the tides. The moon is a powerful metaphor of transformation and growth. She shows us how to embody our own energetic evolution and step into our magic. Lunar alchemy engages the inner oracle, your wisest self that speaks the language of metaphor and knows beyond words or explanation. What the moon will teach you and will challenge your intellect and awaken your lunar self. It's that shadowy, that food. Since ancient times, people have felt called to the moon. Some would track time by her light, knowing that her cycle lasted for 29.5 days with keen intuitive knowing that the the observation they witnessed her influence over nature, the growth of crops, the behavior of animals, the the fecundity, the... Fecundity. The fecundity (laughs) of menstruation and the pull of tides. And as we are part of the web of nature, the moon exerts her profound influence over us. She literally pulls our internal tides. Each step you take during your exploration of the moon is an invitation to discover your own magic. The moon reflects you. You reflect the moon. There is no separation. 
Go forward with subtle perception. You can't think your way through the moonlight. You have to feel yourself forward. A key component of moon magic and all natural magic is intuition and feeling. And there is a time and place for logic. And that part of us that is ruled by the sun. And just as the sun and the moon are in right relationship with one another, our logic and intuition are also two sides of the same coin. Lunar alchemy is a return to the lunar self, the part of you that dreams, feels, imagines, and stirs. And you will learn the language of the moon by always asking, how do I feel? Practice checking in with yourself on a daily basis to enhance the shift in perspective. Simply close your eyes and ask, how do I feel right now? You will be surprised at how clarifying this question can be. So much is happening under the surface, subconsciously brewing in your heart and being left unacknowledged. Take this practice a step further and begin feeling the moon. Notice how do you feel e during each phase of the moon? Different phases affect us in different ways. Are you anxious? And what phase is the moon in? Are you in love? What phase is the moon in now? Learn to correlate the moon within to the moon without. And when you move with the ebb and flow of the moon, your own energy becomes more powerful. Eventually, you will feel the moon phase without having to peer at the sky. And it goes on here more, but I like that because, uh, you know, I, I, I vibe with that. I like the moon. I, I really do. I, I think I think she plays a big part in, in, in the major motions of what's happening. Hell yeah. That tied in really beautifully. And I actually like how the tone of that article and the idea behind it is actually juxtaposed with <laughs> the darkness that I just brought up and the idea that we like feed these shadowy beings. It's like, yes, maybe, but also how do you feel about that? <laughs> you know? How do you actually feel about that? Because it's is probably that, both. That, right? Well, yeah, right? I mean, like, oh, man. Sometimes sometimes with these conspiracy topics, um, you can go to some really, really dark places. Mm. And sometimes those dark places are unhelpful, you know? Um, <laughs> I agree. So, I'd agree with that. Right? So, like... On one hand, I don't want to. I don't want to feed demonic forces. You know what I mean. But also, <laughs> but at the, the same, same time, of, you if know, I'm you gotta... focusing on that, yeah. right? if I'm really focused in on that, yes, you yes. can get lost in that. Yeah. Right? And uh, yeah, bringing it back to like, well, how do you actually feel when you're watching those videos and reading those things about cults for like 20 hours? <laughs> Is that helpful <laughs> to your 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 mental? space you know, you know and I, and depends. do you it, do you end up like feeding the darkness in a different way when you're really content. focused on that right you know you, know, you can know. you can watch it you can watch that content have it soak it in but mm -hmm. also at that same time you know like looking at you know maybe picking it apart maybe picking mm -hmm. that apart and using it as as information because there's probably some truths in all of it and the shadows aren't something to be scared of in my opinion you know right. i think mm -hmm. i think the shadows are something to be looked at and to really be analyzed you know because mm -hmm. like a shadow scares you for what reason well i want to know why mm -hmm. why the fuck is the shadow scary you know i go outside in night 
and I hear something in the dark. Well, I go outside during the day and I hear oh, shit everywhere. It's light outside. I hear the birds. I hear cars. I'm not like, oh, my God, did you hear that? It's like, yeah, there's the wind through the trees, dude. I mean, you're okay. You're like, I know, but it's fucking, you know, dark, you know. So, you know, like looking at the shadows and being a part of them, you know, like can really, uh, really help your uh, ambiguity uh, and transmutability. Uh, those are words. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, okay. uh, shadows, man. And so, but yeah, don't get lost in the sauce though. And if you do, you can reach out to us and we will, we will help be the biscuit within your extra gravy that day. And we'll soak some of that up and give you a big warm hug. And that, that being, that being said, metaphor. that being said, uh, we love biscuits and gravy around here. Brunch, yeah. brunch for lunch, baby. Let's go. Uh, if you guys want to, if you guys want to come on and chat about the moon, if you if you have something to bring up, hit us up, contact us, mm-hmm. um, and you know we we totally get that going. You know we want this to kind of be a, a you know community based show, and I'm saying that actually without ever having brought that up to Kaylee, I do apologize. <laughs> this is on the fly, <laughs> just marketing on the fly. You know that's how that's how good I am at sales, y'all. Everybody. <laughs> Hey, you know, you got to make shit up like, hey, you want this for 50% off? My boss is standing right next to me like, like, I just sold it, though. That's sales, baby. Yeah. Um, Also, if anybody has any poetry about the moon um, or literature about the moon, you know, this is this is something that we're definitely going to be exploring because it's a huge component of the mystery of the moon and how it inspires inspires music and all all sorts of different stuff within culture so that's also on the table absolutely my gosh can we talk about manifesting in the moon before we close out sure i have thoughts on this all right so what what are um, your thoughts (laughs) you know I, i i feel like it's either you're going to put it in on the new moon and plant the seed Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. it grows and spurts Mm -hmm. itself all over the cosmos as a full moon uh as that flower blooms yeah something along those lines but i'm sure you could (laughs) paint the picture more beautifully would you mind doing such a thing just spurts itself all over the cosmos (laughs) oh god boys i tell you um okay so i have All right. I have a couple of thoughts on this. So they say that when a new moon occurs in six months is when you see the manifestation of that seed that's planted. So you got to think when the new moon occurs, like let's say, for example, the new moon in Libra, right, will (laughs) manifest and bloom or the fruit will come about once the full moon in Libra occurs. So once the sun moves halfway across the zodiac full moon boom manifestation right that's what they say um and i and i use that that phrase that's what they say because i'm still investigating this for myself you know i still need to see it now here's where i have uh, a little bit of a point of contention um i love tuning into the moon and to how i feel and to natural cycles and paying attention to that and trying to time things with those cycles because i think it's important 
um, to be in tune with those. Um, however, I'm extremely cautious myself about making contracts or potentially traps of agreement with things that I don't know jack shit about by doing certain rituals around the moon. <laughs> so on one hand, I'm like, yes, fuck yeah, moon magic, let's go. And then on the other hand, I've got this little nagging voice of like, are you sure about don't, that? Don't just go and feed the moon what they're asking for. They want you to do the moon magic, you know? Are you sure about they're, that? They're trying to monster zinc you. Like, no. Well, like, you know, so I think it's honestly, okay, so there's no such thing as free lunch in the universe. All right. So if you're asking for something, you have to pay. Okay. So if you're asking for something and trying to manifest something with the moon, okay, you will have to pay with something okay you will have to sacrifice something it's it's karma that's how it fucking works there's no such thing as things energy coming out of nowhere right it's always an exchange sacrifice let's <laughs> oh, fuck that <laughs> manifestation you need to sacrifice something to me feed me Kelly. no <laughs> that's fucked up <laughs> you're fired <laughs> sorry going forward i'm bringing rachel on <laughs> what does this not Maybe giggle terribly enough for you this wasn't <laughs> giggle oh goodness i'm so sorry <laughs> it's all good buddy i'm just teasing um but yeah so like honestly play around with it but just keep that in mind you know um there's there's always a price even if something is free there's still a, an opportunity cost or something that goes along with it you might not even pay for it in this life you might pay for it in next in your next life you know what i mean so, <laughs> so i i uh i i just i have to, i have to say that i have to say yeah, it absolutely that's Absolutely. my uh, my my duty. <laughs> I really you feel to, you have to be careful when you're. Try I mean, like I've be had careful what you wish for. I've had enough experiences already that show me that it's just like okay, bud. You know, when you're just willy nilly, just wanting to you know make something happen because, yeah, like how how are you going to pay for it? You don't know. So I think that kind of ties into a lot of historical truth with sacrifices in general and why sacrifices are a part of a ritual you know because you are asking for something you're asking you're feeding the gods you're feeding something and you know so yeah. uh that that, that ties on, into it and at the end of the day you don't know who you're making a con who or what you're making a contract with yeah yeah i so on this property, I'm so just that. gonna I'm I'm gonna. Are you gonna up. tell the story? I'm well. I'm just I'm gonna tell the story because it's you know a good what? Story. <laughs> I'm only gonna be here for so long, but like the full moon's coming up, and I have another idea that I'm gonna. Oh do. no! <laughs> yeah, so that's what I'm Let's about. Hear it. Let's I'm hear all it. about practice in the field, you know. So, oh my god, um, there's this <laughs> special spot on the property. It's like overlooks this area, and you know. Uh, you know this I, I, when it comes to entities and spirits and things like Romy don't give a fuck <laughs> I, I, I like I'm like I'm not sure like we interact, opening portals like, in his bedroom <laughs> but we don't like interact in a way where like you know like sometimes like in a dark room I'll be like okay I'm gonna see something in the corner when I when I'm going this way because I'm 
thinking I'm going to see it. And I, I kind of want to see this thing, you know, and I'm like, sometimes I'll like ask to see something because I'm just like, something scared the shit out of me right now. You know, like that's just kind of the way it is. And it's, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. So anyways, uh, Scorpio, but you're like, yeah, darkness. Yeah. And, uh, I'm like, yes, I am. No fear. But so anyways, there's a spot and it's, it's perfect for a tent. And so, you know, I'm going to go clean the area up. I'm going to, put a carpet down and I'm going to put a tent up, put some pallets up and make it like a nice little spot where you can just hang out and go camp on the property. You know, it's like still, you know, it's it's fun. It's fun to do that. Right. And, um, but this is also the same area where I, I did do a tiny moon ritual of my own. And what was cool about it was the food that I had brought in to the forest because that's who I was giving my 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 offerings to was the forest. That's who I communicate with. I communicate with the earth when I do these things. I'm not actually corresponding with the moon by any means. I'm actually corresponding to the earth. And I want the earth to have the things I'm bringing it. And I want to be gifted from the earth. And I love the earth. And the earth is my favorite, most beautiful, amazing you know, how many mothers do I have? Do I have the sun of my mama? Is the moon my mama? Is the earth my mama? Is it all my mamas? Because I love my mama. Like every time my mama is the best. Mothers are the shit. Women are amazing. So shout out to Roman's mom. <laughs> shout out to my, you're the best. I love you so goddamn much. Number one. Anyways, fan. anyways, you know, and then the next day it came out and the whole carcass was gone of this chicken. It was a chicken I and I surrounded it with carrot greens, the tops of carrots. Oh, yum. You know, yeah, like a little stew. You could literally boil that and make yourself okay. a sweet broth, you know, so figured they'd Makes be sense. happy on that. And, I, you know, I love, you know, people know my love for birds. I got a big love for birds. And so, you know, kind of conflicted sometimes, like, about eating anything, like, I honestly feel like humans probably don't need to eat any food. And I think we only need to really drink like moon water. And that's about it. You know, just fucking love food though. Okay. Come on. Oh, I love it, dude. I love it so much. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I mean, don't get it (laughs) twisted, but I sometimes like my body is just tells me, it's just like, you didn't need that. And you also don't need that. You don't need any of this. And then you start to ask yourself, well, what do I need? And it just says, you're like, I'm asking Sunlight you a question. Your you're just, it's just like, do I need, are you telling me I need nothing? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> I need to take a break from everything and only drink water for two weeks and almost collapse from just pure demineralization and things. It's like, yes, <laughs> you need to go through that experience. <laughs> and it will be on a new moon, asshole. <laughs> sorry. No, just getting into, I like to get into story. I like to get into character. Okay, I'm sorry. You know, ben, no. g- yep. you know up. give me a script. We will go on all night. I, I'll read it. We'll do the voices. How many, how many characters? 13. You got it. Okay. What do you need? Captain, <laughs> Captain Hank. Oh, speaking of, by the way. Oh my God. Hey, 
I hate Disney. I hate Disney. Disney's terrible. Um, fuck but you, I did... Disney. Fuck you, Disney. <laughs> and I... <laughs> we will fight. <laughs> so, uh, so as you can see, I, we've been going for two hours, and the sillies are starting to come out. But that's goodness, okay. goodness, goodness. <laughs> so, there's a new Pinocchio movie coming out, mm. and Tom Hanks is Geppetto. Okay. Okay. So that's it. Okay. You know, just thinking. I said Captain Hanks made up a character real quick, but I think it was in my subconscious when I saw that. Tom Hanks was Geppetto. I was thinking of Captain Hanks, and then I was going to do uh, that. So, just letting everybody know if you're a uh, if you're a Pinocchio fan like me, you know you're going to be upset probably, or it's going to be such an amazing flick. I probably won't watch it because I don't watch any new Disney uh, because there's something about it that is just so over the top that it just it's just. You know, I like indie films. I like indie films. I like indie mm -hmm. films and I like sci-fi. Like those are the two things that I like. I'm like, I want some cheesy romantic indie film that's like got like some quirky, strange editing process, you know, and they're using some old cameras. And then I want sci-fi where it's just like a really in-depth, terraformed planet, you know, so... Fun. God, so what are you I'm gonna so what are you gonna do for your full moon ritual roman <laughs> so i have an old can of tuna that my yep. old my old roommate left here but it was a fresh harvest like it was a fresh can of tuna caught here in california um, mm. and i was gonna give some fish you know i always offer i just offer food and all i want I like, is just i like that you're going with fish for the pisces full moon that's nice I, I mean, just happened to be that way, just happened to be that way. Um, and that's, that's great. You know, I have, I mean, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Like I, I will offer anything. I'm, I, I often ask uh, for just guidance and intuition and knowledge. Like those are the things that I, I generally ask where I want. All I want is just to be given the gift of intuition, ask what the next steps are and then the knowledge into, you know, whatever, is to come into the realm, you know, like that's all, that's all it is. I don't care about money. I'm not about any of that. I just want pure goodness and balance from nature and to make sure that I'm at least doing my part on some level to enhance for spiritual growth. Cause that's what it's about. Beautiful. Yeah. Good job. I love everybody. You guys are amazing. <laughs> I love you, Kaylee. Thank you so much. And let's do it again. We're doing it again soon. We're gonna put out. Uh, we're gonna put out this episode uh, on the Patreon wall like soon. So, and then mm -hmm. we're gonna put the other one out very, very soon after that. Absolutely, our first interview. Yeah, first on deck, we will have Mario Garza of Symbolic Studies. That'll be a fun conversation, and uh, we'll definitely go into some a couple of the topics that we mentioned but didn't go super deep into. Because Mario is all about that, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it'll be a good it'll be good discussion. So be sure to to tune in to lay out. So 
Thank you all for hanging out. Appreciate you. All of you. Much moon love. Wait. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Moon Mysteries. Do, 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 do. Oh, wait, wrong show. Just. <laughs> <laughs>